0: chapter three of elizabethan sea dogs by william wood this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three life afloat in tudor times two stories from hacklett's voyages will illustrate what sort of work the english were attempting in america about fifteen hundred and thirty near the middle of king henry's reign the success of master hawkins and the failure of master Hoare are quite typical of several other adventures in the new world old mr william hawkins of plymouth a man for his wisdom valour experience and skill in sea causes much esteemed and beloved of king henry the and being one of the principal sea-captains in the west parts of england in his time not contented with the short voyages commonly then made only to the known coasts of europe armed out a tall and goodly ship of his own of the burthen of two hundred and fifty tons called the pole of plymouth wherewith he made three long and famous voyages unto the coast of brazil a thing in those days very rare especially to our nation Hawkins first went down the guinea coast of Africa, where he trafficked with the negroes and took of them oliphants, teeth, and other commodities which that place yieldeth. And so arriving on the coast of Brazil, used there such discretion and behaved himself so wisely with those savage people that he grew into great familiarity and friendship with them insomuch that in his second voyage one of the savage kings of the country of brazil was contented to take ship with him and to be transported hither into england this king was presented unto king henry the eighth the king and all the nobility did not a little marvel for in his cheeks were holes and therein small bones planted which in his country was reputed for a great bravery the poor brazilian monarch died on his voyage back which made hawkins fear for the life of martin Cockerham, whom he had left in brazil as a hostage however the brazilians took hawkins's word for it and released cockram who lived another forty years in plymouth old mr william hawkins was the father of sir john hawkins drake's companion in arms whom we shall meet later he was also the grandfather of sir richard hawkins another naval hero and of the second william hawkins one of the founders of the greatest of all chartered companies the honourable east india company hawkins knew what he was about master hoar did not hoar was a well-meaning plausible fellow good at taking up new-fangled ideas bad at carrying them out and the very cut of a wildcat company promoter except for his honesty he persuaded divers young lawyers of the inns of court and chancery to go to newfoundland a hundred and twenty men set off in this modern ship of fools which ran into newfoundland at night and was wrecked there were no provisions and none of the divers lawyers seems to have known how to catch a fish after trying to live on wild fruit they took to eating each other in spite of master hoar who stood up boldly and warned them of the fire to come just then a french fishing smack came in whereupon the lawyers seized her put her wretched crew ashore and sailed away with all the food she had the outraged frenchmen found another vessel chased the lawyers back to england and laid their case before the king who out of his royal bounty reimbursed the frenchman and let the divers lawyers go scot-free hawkins and hoar and others like them were the heroes of travellers tales but what was the ordinary life of the sailor who went down to the sea in the ships of the tudor age there are very few quite authentic descriptions of life afloat before the end of the sixteenth century and even then we rarely see the ship and crew about their ordinary work everybody was all agog for marvellous discoveries nobody least of all a seaman bothered his head about describing the daily routine on board we know however that it was a lot of almost incredible hardship only the fittest could survive elizabethan landsmen may have been quite as prone to mistake comfort for civilization as most of the world is said to be now elizabethan sailors when afloat most certainly were not and for the simple reason that there was no such thing as real comfort in a ship here are a few verses from the oldest genuine english sea-song known they were written down in the fifteenth century before the discovery of america and were probably touched up a little by the scribe the original manuscript is now in trinity college cambridge it is a true nautical composition A very rare thing indeed, for genuine sea-songs didn't often get into print and weren't enjoyed by landsmen when they did. The setting is that of a merchantman carrying passengers whose discomforts rather amuse the shipmen. Anon the master commandeth fast to his shipmen in all behasta to dress them line up soon about the mast, their takling to make. With how hissa then they cry, What how mate thou standest too nigh, thy fellow may not haul thee by thus they begin to crake shout a boy or twain anon abstain go aloft, and over thwart the sail yard lane lie ye how talia the remnant cryin cry and pull with all their might bestow the boat boatswain anon that our pilgrims may play thereon for some are like to cough and groan ere it be full midnight haul the bowline now veer the sheet cook may ready anon our meat our pilgrims have no lust to eat i pray god give them rest go to the helm what ho no nearer steward fellow a pot of beer ye shall have sir with good cheer anon all of the best ye how trussa haul in the brails thou haulest not by god thou failsest. o see how well our good ship sails and thus they say among this meanwhile the pilgrims lie and have their bowls all fast them by and cry after hot Malvisi, their health for to restore some lay their books on their knee and read so long they cannot see alas mine head will split in three thus saith one poor wight a sack of straw were there right good for some must lay them in their hood i had as leaf be in the wood without or meat or drink for when that we shall go to bed the pump is nigh our bed's head a man he were as good be dead as smell thereof the stink how hissa is still used aboard deep-water men as ho hissa instead of ho hoist away what ho made is also known afloat though dying out Ye how talia is yo yo tally or tally and belay which means hauling aft and making fast the sheet of a mainsail or foresail what ho no nearer is what ho no higher now but old salts remember no nearer and it may be still extant sea-sickness seems to have been the same as ever so was the desperate effort to pretend one was not really feeling it and cry after hot malvice their health for to restore here is another sea song one sung by the sea dogs themselves the doubt is whether the marshal men are navy men as distinguished from merchant servicemen aboard a king's ship or whether they are soldiers who want to take all sailors down a peg or two this seems the more probable explanation soldiers ranked sailors afloat in the sixteenth century and drake's was the first fleet in the world in which seamen admirals were allowed to fight a purely naval action we be three poor mariners newly come from the seas we spend our lives in jeopardy while others live at ease we care not for those martial men that do our states disdain but we care for those merchantmen that do our states maintain a third old sea song gives voice to the universal complaint that landsmen cheat sailors who come home flush of gold for sailors they be honest men and they do take great pains but landmen and ruffling lads do rob them of their gains here too is some cordial advice against the wiles of the sea addressed to all rash young men who think to advance their decaying fortunes by navigation as most of the sea-dogs and gentlemen adventurers like gilbert raleigh and cavendish tried to do you merchantmen of billingsgate i wonder how you thrive you bargain with men for six months and pay them but for five this was an abuse that took a long time to die out even well on in the nineteenth century and sometimes even on board of steamers victualling was only by the lunar month though service went by the calendar a cursed cat with thrice three tails doth much increase our woe is a poetical way of putting another's seaman's grievance people who regret that there is such a discrepancy between genuine sea-songs and shore-going imitations will be glad to know that the mermaid is genuine though the usual air to which it was sung afloat was harsh and decidedly inferior to the one used ashore this example of the old four bitters so called because sung from the forebits, a convenient mass of stout timbers near the foremast did not luxuriate in the repetitions of its shore-going rival, with a comb and a glass in her hand, her hand, her hand, etc. Solo on Friday morn as we set sail, it was not far from land. Oh, there I spied a fair pretty maid with a comb and a glass in her hand. Chorus. The stormy winds did blow, and the raging seas did roar, while we poor sailors went to the tops and the landlubbers laid below. The anonymous author of a curious composition entitled The Complaint of Scotland, written in 1548, seems to be the only man who took more interest in the means than in the ends of seamanship. He was undoubtedly a landsman, but he loved the things of the sea, and his work is well worth reading as a vocabulary of the lingo that was used on board a Tudor ship when the seamen sang it sounded like an echo in a cave many of the outlandish words were mediterranean terms which the scientific italian navigators had brought north others were of oriental origin which was very natural in view of the long connection between east and west at sea admiral for instance comes from the arabic for a commander-in-chief amir al-bar means commander of the sea most of the nautical technicalities would strike a seaman of the present day as being quite modern the sixteenth-century skipper would be readily understood by a twentieth-century helmsman in the case of such orders as these keep full and by luff connor steady keep close our modern sailor in the navy however would be hopelessly lost in trying to follow directions like the following make ready your cannons middle culverins, bastard culverins, falcons, sacres, slings, headsticks, murderers, passivolants, bazils, dogs, crook, arquebuses, calivers, and Hail shot. Another look at life afloat in the sixteenth century brings us once more into touch with America, for the old sea-dog directions for the taking of a prize were admirably summed up in the Seaman's Grammar which was compiled by captain john smith sometime governor of virginia and admiral of new england pocahontas smith in fact a sail how bears she to windward or leeward set him by the compass he stands right ahead or on the weather-bow or lee-bow let fly your colours if you have a consort else not out with all your sails a steady man at the helm give him chase he holds his own no we gather on him captain out goes his flag and pendants also his waist-cloths and top-armings which is a long red cloth that goeth round about the ship on the outsides of all her upper works and fore and main-tops as well for the countenance and grace of the ship as to cover the men from being seen he furls and slings his main-yard in goes his sprit-sail Thus they stripped themselves into their fighting sails, which his only the foresail, the main and topsails, because the rest should not be fired nor spoiled. Besides, they would be troublesome to handle, hinder our sights and the using of our arms. He makes ready his close fights, fore and aft, bulkheads set up to cover men under fire. Every man to his charge, douse your topsail to salute him for the sea, hail him with a noise of trumpets whence is your ship of spain whence is yours of england are you merchants or men-of-war we are of the sea he waves us to leeward with his drawn sword calls out amain for the king of spain and springs his luff brings his vessel close by the wind give him a chase piece with your broadside and run a good berth ahead of him done done we have the wind of him and now he tacks about tack about also and keep your luff be yare at the helm edge in with him give him a volley of small shot also your prow and broadside as before and keep your luff he pays us shot for shot well we shall requite him edge in with him again begin with your bow-pieces proceed with your broadside and let her fall off with the wind to give him also your full chase your weather broadside and bring her round so that the stern may also discharge and your tacks close aboard again the wind veers the sea goes too high to border and we are shot through and through and between wind and water try the pump bear up the helm sling a man overboard to stop the leaks that is truss him up around the middle in a piece of canvas and a rope with his arms at liberty with a mallet and plugs lapped in oakum and well tarred and a tarpaulin clout which he will quickly beat into the holes the bullets made what cheer mates is all well all's well then make ready to bear up with him again with all your great and small shot charge him board him thwart the haws on the bow midships or rather than fail on his quarter or make fast your grapplings to his close fights and sheer off which would tear his cover down captain we are foul of each other and the ship is on fire cut anything to get clear and smother the fire with wet cloths in such a case they will be presently such friends as to help one the other all they can to get clear lest they should both burn together and so sink and if they be generous and the fire be quenched they will drink kindly one to the other heave their cans overboard and begin again as before chirurgeon look to the wounded and wind up the slain and give them three guns for their funerals swabber make clean the ship purser record their names watch be vigilant to keep your berth to windward that we lose him not in the night gunners sponge your ordnance soldiers scour your pieces carpenters about your leaks. boatswain and the rest repair sails and shrouds cook see you observe your directions against the morning watch boy hello, is the kettle boiled aye aye sir boatswain call up the men to prayer and breakfast always have as much care to their wounded as to your own and if there be either young women or aged men use them nobly sound drums and trumpets st george for merry england End of chapter three mm.